Hey everybody, Jim and Aaron here. We're back with another commission podcast. Uh, this time we're going to cover the movie Contact from 1997. This is uh, commissioned by Henrik W. I don't actually know how to say his last name, so I'm okay. not going to venture into that. Uh, it could start with a V. It could start with a W. I'm not exactly sure because it's German. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much, Henrik, for commissioning this podcast. Um, what is your relationship with the movie Contact? It's the same relationship as yours. Okay. Because we went to I'm, see I'm it. I'm faux asking you this question <laughs> just to set up the discussion. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm throwing you under buses like you did God to me, buddy. God damn it. All right. None of this fake bullshit. This is real. <laughs> it's as real as it gets. No, we went to see, because, you know, we were both, uh, we both grew up very in, in religious backgrounds. Yeah, this was, this came out back when I was still uh, affiliated with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yep, same here. I just graduated high school you're probably still in mm-hmm. and we but we all love science fiction it was the yep. way that we could kind of squeeze fantasy with a straight face in you know okay and uh, i just like science fiction because it's science fiction but why not because I, mean, I have this i guess desire for fantasy. but i'm saying like why we could see star wars or star trek versus mm. you know because star trek has got a lot of kind of anti-fundamentalist Christian messages as regards to cosmology and evolution and just in general skepticism about higher Mm -hmm. powers. Also cosmetology. I mean, you look at Deanna Troy. There's no (laughs) way they allow that shit in The Witnesses. Um, Yeah, so I think that we were allowed to do that because, like you said, it was like the fig leaf. Well, it's just science you know, and and your parents – like. I don't. I, it's weird because I'm like really invested in what my son does for entertainment, mm-hmm. um, in a way that my parents never were. Like sometimes my dad would get huh. into a thing, and that was always a special treat. But most of the time, it's just like whatever, whatever cartoons, what you know. It's like so. It's like I could be watching stuff that advocated child sacrifice, and so long as they <laughs> waited, you know, a minute or two in each episode to for the, the parents to tune out or after the theme song, it, they would never mm-hmm. even know. Um, anyway. We went to see this movie, and I was supremely uncomfortable because, in fact, this I almost walked out. Wow. Okay. I've only walked out on two movies, and this one, this almost became the third because, you know, there's a lot of uncomfortable debate about, like, kind of religion and science and how they meet up and yeah. whether God is, you know, it's kind of a silly notion. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I see now how kind of really balanced – um, and maybe even fret very uh, olive branchy towards okay. the- theologians. I could see that, yeah. But at the time, I felt like it was just making ham-fisted points against you know belief in religion. Yeah, almost like it's insulting your religion. And then you get to the end, and the alien is her dad. Oh my god! I and can't she's even got tell no, you. And she's got no proof. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to put up with this shit being shoved down my throat, then I at least better get some awesome sense of awe and wonder. These aliens and oh man, yeah, like when she's instead, so, I just got the guy running the Polynesian Pineapple Institute. Uh huh. Yep. With a buzz cut, <laughs> David Morse is that his name? <laughs> David Morse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I cannot tell you how long that joke lasted. Like anytime there was a build up to something that should be spectacular. We always just said it's going to be your father on the beach. Yep. Like that was an in joke. It's still we've I've we've made that joke <laughs> this year. I think. I think so. Yeah. So I haven't seen this movie. Like it was since such that a disappointment day. because I was expecting this sci-fi epic, right? Sure. Like she's going to go off. She's going to meet this alien race. They're going to teach us something, or we're going to have to figure out how to live with them. Like, 
or at least close it's encounters. Change something, right? At least close encounters where like something happens, like yeah, a big big event happens to these, and I guess it does. And and they tease it too, right? They show you this vast alien civilization on a planet near Vega, and yeah. Then they go to the beach, and I was like, my god, what are you doing to me? And it's Why? Like, so I guess patron. I don't know because uh, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to talk about the mechanics, but it's just interesting because when I go back and watch this, this all seems very tame. It's still yeah, yeah. kind of anticlimactic, and I do have big problems with the third act of the movie. Um, sure, but I think you should. But but there's a message in there that is interesting beyond the and, film itself. And yeah, I was like surprised at how non-offensive and controversial i saw it which is that's interesting because it's always instructive when i have people you know because sometimes we touch on politics um and religion and when we do we get angry people to say you guys should just keep your fucking mouth shut if if you should only talk about stuff that only everyone agrees which i don't agree there with. is no there <laughs> is no subject that everyone agrees on but it's interesting because like i've had that reaction and then i'm the same person 20 years later I'm finding yeah. something non-controversial. That's just because my views have changed over time. Sure. The movie uh, isn't any different. And also, also, maybe you're getting angry because you feel your views being influenced. Because Ooh. I get, I would be willing to wager that Contact was one of the very, very many bricks in the wall. Wait, I think I'm building the wrong metaphor. Uh-huh. That led to the freeing of my mind you, you have behind to... its vast mental fortress. Um, How can you have any pudding when you don't eat your meat? It's I, one of the chinks... Yeah. It was. It's one of the the, the leaks in the dike mm-hmm. that was uh-huh. my mental dam against realizing something important about the universe. How about this, that? This is all a very good metaphor. For yeah, something. So it's one of the things that pried open the the rusty hinge that was was my my mind. <laughs> um, so and I I like I said I I just feel like that we one of the chief pleasures in life and i this is probably controversial is to have one's beliefs challenged because you either mm-hmm. emerge with your viewpoint strengthened and newly vindicated or you actually f- get closer to an objective truth about the universe it's a win win sure. i'm all for objective like truth. socrates had this shit right thousands of years ago like <laughs> having an argument where you win all the time is 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 boring it's it's mm. it, it gives you nothing actually losing an argument convincingly in a way that changes something in you is it is priceless yeah yeah I, I get what you're saying and i think you know there are a lot of messages in this movie kind of from both sides i think you know they don't put up a vigorous fight on either side they kind of more encourage you to think about these things yeah. As opposed to giving, handing you an answer, um, which I think is good. I don't think anyone being handed an answer and slapped in the face with a trout of an answer no. is going to respond positively to that. Well, everyone, unless they're already predisposed to it. Well, that's the thing. Like, so this, you know, you got the Overton window. We've talked about this before, where that's that's this that's this theory that for any societal change to happen, yeah, everyone bitches about the radicals and everyone bitches about the contrarians. Uh, and everyone lauds the, the the reasonable people in the middle, but in the fact is, you need all three of those camps 
to get anything done. Sure. Because if you didn't, we'd be all a bunch of reactionary assholes moving from one thing to another without measuring or progress or questioning whether this was good or whether we should keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Or we would never, ever change. We'd be calcified and we'd probably be extinct by now. And if we were just all reasonable people that just went with whatever, nothing would get done. Yeah. So I you think- need – like people with crate with, with, with – ideological purity to get an idea sh- uh, pushed through and sometimes they're going to get st- on stupid ideas and that's where we need the critics mm-hmm. you know it's like we bitch about them when they're anti-gay marriage because they're oh their luddites are holding us back but if we didn't have those types of people society would be worse off collectively and that's something we all i think should sure. keep in mind I- when we go through these big societal upheavals is like try not to hate anybody because they're just playing their fucking part yeah and this movie does you know, I'm not sure that that's what they set out to do, but they do make the case for that idea, right? Well, like I, the aliens themselves make the case for these small steps, and well, it's a parallel with you know sure. Ellie's life and the way she came about being a scientist. There's a lot of internal parallel structures in this movie. There are. Before we get are. into that, I want to talk because before we leave our backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, my background was like again, I was a committed ultra fundamentalist Christian. I have since come to realize about you that you were a wolf in sheep's clothes all around. So how does – What a label. How does 16-year-old Jim Jones uh, view – like did you find this as like a breath of fresh air or like right fucking on or were you just uncomfortable because everyone else was comfortable? What was it like for you? I was a little uncomfortable because like – so after these films that we'd go see, right? Like if you you take a Stargate or you take like the latest Star Trek movie or something – and we all go see those movies, and we're, afterward we go to Steak and Shake. We and post up at Steak and we're Shake. We're all talking about them fervently, like, oh, man, I love this part, and, like, this idea is so cool. There wasn't really any of that after contact. <laughs> it was more – like, I don't remember any conversation happening. Is the Other har- than, what a bummer, or, man, I almost yeah. walked out of that. Or- Other than, like, oh, I can't believe how – what a letdown it was that it was her father on the beach when this alien civilization – there was no discussion about the ideas in the movie. It was yeah. just discussion about the logistics. Um, How did you personally feel about it? Personally, I was kind of happy because, like, if Cause it, you probably weren't, you don't get, even though you were kind of an atheist, or I, I don't even know what you would call yourself. I wouldn't at that have point. called myself an atheist at that point. You're someone that believed that it was a bunch of hooey, though. This sure, particular yeah. brand of it, like, I just didn't care. You, you probably I didn't, didn't think get exposed to any of those type of ideas, like, even no, though, like, not you're at all. you're inclined naturally to follow them. When you're in the witnesses, you don't, you know. Yeah. Like it's kind it's, of – it was kind of a fuck up on our end that we actually got to that movie. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. You know? Nobody read the reviews, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although I don't know that some of the reviews are completely accurate on this movie. Mm. I, the, there are a lot of questions unanswered in this film. But, sure. Um, yeah, so that my basic reaction was nobody's talking about this movie. I probably – like I kind of enjoyed it. Because it was asking interesting questions that no one to date had ever asked in my life. Um, and so I I was kind of happy after seeing this. Um, but you're in a except situation, for the letdown of the film itself. But you're in a situation where it's dangerous to say, like, I actually kind of like the debate between yeah, Jodie Foster and Matthew that. McConaughey. No, I'm not going to bring up the question of, yeah. you know. What did you uh, think about personal experience and what you can say about personal experience and what that means and all that Plus, stuff. that's the other weird thing is like the witnesses and a lot of fundamentalist religions or a lot of not so fundamentalist religions um hold there it's weird because they put they like take the faith out of faith 
Like, if you scientifically prove that Noah's Ark is real, then what the fuck kind of, what do you need faith for? Like, sure. If you can scientifically or historically prove that Jesus rose from the dead, you know, there, like, if there was, like, say, hundreds of cuneiform and clay and stone tablets with different Roman and Judea, you know, Jewish historians saying about, like, the thousands of people talking about Jesus being, you know, raised from the dead and, like, there's hysteria and people being healed, like, believe, yeah, it's like, believe in Jesus. He's got something there. Like, there's proof. Yeah, you don't need faith. You've got belief. Yeah, like, I don't need faith to believe in King Nebuchadnezzar. Sure. Because everyone in, you know, the Mesopotamia was talking about the guy because he yeah. was, like, running shit. So, sure, and I, that's why I have very little use for the idea, the concept of faith. Like, you know, we live 10 miles from the Creation Museum here, and it's like, <laughs> that is a palace of replacing faith with bullshit certainty. Hmm. Like, I don't I understand... I've never been. I don't understand the, the, the theocratic impulse to scientifically prove your faith. And I liked that's what I liked about Matthew McConaughey. Science gets results, and it's hard to like when when your faith doesn't align perfectly with science. Uh huh. You've got to come up with something, right? I don't think so because I my favorite type of deist, Mm -hmm. uh, a theist, is the Matthew McConaughey type, which is he does seem like a sincere seeker for truth. He does have a very personal relationship with God that you can he cannot prove to you, and you cannot disprove, and that's the basis. Uh, for for his belief in God. And that's the thing. Like, that's crucially why I think I'm an atheist, because I never had a personal relation. I never had a personal experience with God. Never. I always wanted one. I always thought, what's wrong with me? Because I'm not having one. And yeah. if someone did, I can see that being, you know, like, I, if, if you had a, like, if right now you were struck by a personal feeling of Jesus coming to your heart, Jim, mm-hmm. would you your first thought be that you're crazy? Like, I don't know. That's, the thing. that's it's such like a until foreign scenario. It, like, how would I even... Like, what does that even feel like? Yeah. When people describe it, I'm like, I've never... I can clear... I've experienced awe and wonder, but it's more the Carl Sagan type awe and wonder. Right, I remember... At the universe and the physicality of everything. I remember, like, just after I quit The Witnesses, it's like six months after, and it's like after the divorce, and I was taking a motorcycle trip with my dad down to Deals Gap. Um, which is this big, famous stretch of highway uh, between North Carolina and Tennessee. It's got like hmm. – Sounds like a jump, like a ramp. It is. Going well, it's, it's like a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm going to jump Steel's Gap this weekend. And I was going down a run, and I'd like, you know, I was quicker than my 65-year-old father on my motorcycle. And <laughs> Congratulations. Right. At the end, there's this like pull-off where you can kind of pull off and it overlooks this like big reservoir and like it's the Smoky Mountains and it was super early in the morning and the mist rolling down and then like the sun broke through and like you could actually see the shafts of light hitting and then it hit me and felt warm on the face and I had yeah. this spontaneous thought of like, thank you for my life. Okay. But I didn't sing as like – it was weird that I, I internally articulated that way. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's because I was still kind of a deist at the time, but I didn't feel like it, it was like a sense of like, awe, just profound thankfulness, but it didn't, it wasn't like, directed at anyone. And I like, I wonder if like, if I had that 10 years ago, if I'd be oh, yeah. the person that says I have a personal connection with God and you can't tell me otherwise. Maybe you but would that, have attributed it differently. That also doesn't probably. seem as powerful as what other people are talking about. Gotcha. So gotcha. like I said, that's why like, I think you and I differ is that. I allow that there could be a God that is communicating through a select few people, and I'm just not in that pool. Mm-hmm. And 
I think the God's not the same God that's outlined in the Bible or anything else. Okay. But like I'm okay. I'm fine with that. And that's why like I have a God that wants to preserve all of his his creation probably is better served talking to all of them. Well, but like <laughs> it could be like this. I mean, that's the interesting thing about this movie because at the end he they do select one person to reveal this truth that has no other way to prove it to any other uh, person and yeah, they that, she goes why this is crazy he goes it's what we've been doing for billions of years that could be like sure god could be the aliens from contact man and this is just the way they do it yeah it's, it's the way they proselytize to us monkeys sure those those small steps you know i mean like i imagine the idea of an alien race um challenging religion on earth i guess in that sort of way could be seen as an affront to religious people and they could rebel against that and react negatively sure um and so maybe that's why you need the small steps you need to chip away slowly at that well th- I mean, those ideas instead of just revealing it all at once and I, th- I think that's an interesting idea there's a lot of like hilarious things in this movie as far as like <laughs> When they're making contact at the Asir, but no, it's not the Asir, but it's the very large array. Yeah. Uh, and this like giant Independence Day type apocalypse festival just spontaneous. Like it's in every movie, like, you know, sure. uh, spaceship hovering over New York and like there's a giant party underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they were like, it's, it seems like there was irreligious types, religious types, fundamentalist types, and everybody was there. Yeah. And, the one thing I thought was really this was interesting and accurate was that there was a this resistance from some of the fundamentalist branches. In fact, there was a terrorist that blew up one of the things because sure. this is this is diabolic what you're trying to do, make contact. This is a false god that you're trying to contact. And I feel like that aliens would probably do wise to do first contact situations very carefully as a way to not provoke that reaction amongst people. Yeah, I think so. That tribal xenophobic reaction. It seems a fairly natural human reaction. Yeah, yeah. To to fight against that notion, especially I mean, when when all of your core beliefs tell you that you're kind of the only thing around. Yeah, and that's that's one I've always wondered because, like, we talked a little bit about this off air, and I also talked about this on the the miniseries podcast, but. You know, I'm kind of convinced that if we ever meet with aliens, they're not going to be hostile. Um, they, okay. they, they're either going to have a benign or or beneficial reason for coming to Earth. Because if they want our resources, if they want our, if, if let's say that they've used up everything in their system and we're the closest system, mm-hmm. there's no fucking reason to come to Earth and and haul water and diamonds and whatever the fuck you want out of our gravity well because it's out there in the Oort cloud and the asteroid belt and all that in far greater abundance and quantity. Gotcha. If you can't just synthesize the shit, you can just pull it out and not even have to bother with us, you know? And sure. also, if you look at human history, you know, it's a history of us becoming very tribal because for whatever reason, being tribal uh, allowed us to outcompete the other you know, tribes and, and win and, and hold resources and thrive. It's but it, it as the world has shrank, the tribes become bigger and violence becomes less and wars become less and you know are are be, be able to reason and harness things and technology become greater and be able to provide so there's less competition for resources. Like I just don't see in ten thousand years if humans haven't been wiped out by an asteroid that we're just engaging in just petty conflicts over bullshit. 
So like then say a th- that's a very federation type view, right? Well, I mean, and then you take that to like a hundred thousand year view, like mm-hmm. so that's kind of like in the area where we're playing with with the cos cosmos type aliens, or even billions of years. Like like the people that built this interstate highway, tough to say. This interstellar, the people that we all we know is the super advanced aliens don't know who built the first space yes. tubes. Uh huh. Whether they're still out there or they've got wiped out or whatever, they're just so using like, them. Yeah, so this this has happened. This pattern's been set for a long time. I just I just don't buy that there would be wars of conquest at that point. Hmm. But then again, I can only see things from a human standpoint. Like there could be like like what if a form of life evolved on a planet where they uh, <laughs> where, where they were all communal to begin with. Like their species, for whatever reason, their survival strategy is to be communal. And then tribalism evolved as a way, as a super competitive way to get a gain in that society. So they become more and more warlike as they advance. Or I can even see like some kind of uh, like a virus type thing, which doesn't have the capacity to understand that it's opposed to humanity. And yet when it shows up, it it's able to like it naturally just kills us oh well, yeah like if there's some kind of crazy ass hyper advanced parasite from an asteroid that lands yeah it just takes over the whole planet yeah sure i'm but i'm I, i'm talking you're about talking the about intelligent, intelligent life gotcha. yeah specifically setting out to destroy us yes, yes yeah no i agree and this movie also kind of agrees with that right I feel like it, yeah. Like, it doesn't have the the devastating alien attack of Independence Day or anything like that. No. It's more it's more communal. It's more like... The only devastating let's a- work attack together. is launched on Jodie Foster's tear ducts because it's just a relentless... <laughs> <laughs> it is, for good reason. There, there's a lot of stuff sure. that she has to uh, be sad about. Or, or to uh, cry for different reasons, you know? The, the awe, the wonder that she's feeling in certain moments... Uh, the, to go back a little bit to, you know, our, our experience with this movie, one of the other reasons I really like this movie is because it was a massive blockbuster film in the summer of 97, in a year where... I was shocked. Th- these kind of movies don't really show up. Like, mm-hmm. the other movies you have are Lost World, yep. the Jurassic Park flick, mm-hmm. Men in Black. Like, you've got a lot of stuff where it's... Sci-fi is used almost as a joke or as something that's like this odd, this oddity almost. Well, it's like we were debating. Whereas this asks questions and encourages you to think. Those other movies don't. Well, I mean, so we're currently having this, you know, kind of rollicking debate in the thread about uh, Cabin in the Woods because apparently we lit people's imaginations on fire talking about a horror-based curriculum Mm -hmm. where you could like educate and maximize the thrills and scares and we're debating about, like, you know, what is a horror film? And, you know, we talk about, like, you know, Predator is an action film. Alien is a horror film. Aliens is an action film. Yeah. Men in Black is an action film. Oh, yeah. Contact is a science fiction that, that happens to be science fi- sci-fi. Contact is sci-fi. And, like, I would almost say that Men in Black is fantasy, not sci-fi. Like, do they ever explain the science? Well, that's anything? what I'm saying. It's, it's the trappings that make it cool. Just like, yeah. you know, Conan the Barbarian is not a period piece. It's an action film sure. that uses some yeah. kind of hokey ancient mythology to make it to make it cool. Um, this is sci-fi in the same way that, like, Asimov's Foundation and Earth series. Or 2001 almost. You or, know? you know, Ray, like, this is, like, hard science fiction. 
Which and hard science fiction I guess so, has always yeah. been about that. But it's weird. Is like it seems like when that stuff does come out, it does do well. Like two thousand one did very well. Uh, Contact, like I was shocked, but it made a ton of money compared to its budget. And it's also kind of the reason I felt duped at the end when it's her father on a beach is because I was expecting more hard sci-fi. I was expecting this movie to continue its trajectory Ooh, but the thing through is, is, these radio signals and piecing together this plan and building this thing. I thought that was uh, super of engineering. Si- I thought that was super hard sci-fi, honestly. <sighs> I don't know. They never like, explain like aliens, the science they, of... They explain the wormholes, but they don't explain like the science of this pod or anything like that. I don't think it's inex- it's explainable to our current. I mean, you're positing that these we could build a machine that we don't understand how it works, which mm-hmm. I find that's one of the more preposterous things about the movie. Like, if you have the technology to build something, uh, you will understand the basic principles that make it work. You would. I would so. think so. Yeah. Like if someone gave you the you if you you didn't know how internal combustion works and someone had you build by hand a internal combustion engine to the point where you're forging the individual pieces and stuff you're like, "Aha, this liquid comes in here and is 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 compressed and then this spark makes it explode and that but like you would quickly mm. grasp the principles even if you previously were completely ignorant of it." Yeah. So I, But that's I, a science fiction conceit. You know, sure, yeah, yeah. We don't understand exactly how the teleporter works in Star Trek. L- let me I, ask. I like, but before we move on okay. from that, I like how the Japanese kind of take advantage of this situation to say we're going to squeeze every ounce of learning and knowledge as, of, that we can out of these plans by foregoing our spot on the list of people who might go the candidate list. Uh, instead, we're going to build the thing. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna absorb all the technology that we can from this, and yeah. we're gonna have a competitive advantage going forward, probably hundreds of years. You yeah. know, smart. Uh, well, so I that's the, I want to ask you how realistic did you think the geopolitics of this were? Like fairly, like for example, we get like let's say this fairly happens. realistic. We get an I alien think. signal that has this super advanced mathematical sciences, and they ask us to build a machine. Yeah, and we don't understand the machine. Do we build the machine? Ooh. Um, and when I say we, because like there's... I think it takes a long ass time for us to build that machine to to get through the red tape, the hearings that need to happen. But all you need is one country that has the scientific capability. Which, That's true. Granted, is not every country, but nowadays it's more countries than not. All it takes is one country saying, fuck y'all, we're going to build it. (laughs) You can imagine, like, the U.S. saying, no, this is too dangerous, we're not going to build it, and Russia going, fuck you guys. Or not even Russia, North Korea. I mean, anybody. I'm using Russia as an example of a power that could. Would the United States bomb, like, if if they were, like, up in the air about whether this is a doomsday device? Because that's, you know, there is one compelling case for the conquerors, and that is, like, they're just paranoid. Like, we've got a good thing going. If we let another intelligent life form in the universe, then maybe they're going to be warlike and fuck our shit up. So it would be an interesting science fiction concept that they Mm -hmm. do make contact, give you this plans for this machine that is essentially going to incinerate your world. It turns your world into a singularity and you just are snuffed out in the crib. Sure. I mean, it's like like the intergalactic plan B pill. Yeah. It aborts a civilization before it achieves uh, interstellar travel. That's certainly possible, and they kind of address that, right? Idea. But like I'm saying, if so, if In it's a, a toss discussion. up between this could be a world ending doomsday device, this could be a form of travel, this could be a free energy thing. Yeah, where where do you come? I mean, do you? Build, I mean, I build it. 
because I'm a curious I, person. I build it out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, I, I really do. And at some point, I feel like I feel like at some point in the future, mankind is going to be required to kind of put all of our chips on the table, mm-hmm. like if not 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 immediately but in in certainly we're talking geologic time periods yeah we're our sun's going to change or something and we're going to have to get the fuck off this planet and it's going to be you know the people take the huge risk that 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 get paid the huge rewards or the first people that and there's the converse because we've talked about this too like you know when the singularity happens the first few people that choose to copy their consciousness into a machine. They're probably going to get garbled. <laughs> that's fraught with peril, man. Yeah. Like, look at your first, like, let's say, like, you know how cool you thought. But I would the first... still hold up my hand to volunteer for that every time. I don't know. Because, like, every th- time. think about how cool you thought your first generation iPhone was. Sure. And now think that you're stuck with that. And that's actually your brain. Oh, oh you're saying it's going to work. But you're just going to be real dumb. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of. You're not going to have a lot of the capabilities that a lot of people will. And and also like by you. early adopting, you probably lost some of the resolution. So you are it's like a permanent irrevocable loss too. Well, I didn't buy the first iPhone, so <laughs> the, I, I did. See? However, buy the first Android device, so I, I don't know. Oh God, that's even know. worse. All right, I don't know that's where I come worse, down to that, man. Only because it has a physical keyboard. Uh, <laughs> I would want a physical keyboard on my. I did too. That's that's why I clung to BlackBerry as long as I did because I wanted a goddamn physical keyboard, and they are. Superior. But like, if if I'm a scientist and <laughs> I'm looking at this as as what it is, you know, the first contact from an alien race, I volunteer for that every single time. Oh yeah, sure. I don't care like if, if they it's going to kill me. I don't care if it's going to destroy the planet. Like, I've got to know. If they had a cattle call for what for for a mission to Mars right now, yep, yep. I would sign. Well, I'd sign up as soon as my son was eighteen because that, oh, that's fuck like it, man. kids I'd ruin everything, today. man. Well, you don't have kids. I that's, know that's good bully <laughs> on you. But like, as soon as he, I got him to manhood or whatever he decides to call it. I'm like, like okay, 12, sign right? me up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> as soon as he can fin as, as old, how old was King Leonidas in 300 when he wrestled the wolf? Exactly. He's got to be that old, and then I'm off to the stars. But no, I would go. <laughs> like the risk of dying. I mean, what? You're gonna die eventually anyway. Yes. Let's do it, man. Yes. I'm, everyone like, dies. Not everyone is the first people to live on Mars. Exactly. That's, and I think that's kind of most the way most humanity rolls. Yeah, and it's. It's not an ego thing. Like, I don't give a shit about being the first person to it's do it. It's an experiential it thing. In in so much as, like, I'm going to go down in history, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. What I care about is pushing forward the the idea of, of what humanity is and what it can be and, like, our quest for knowledge, you know? That's the thing that's interesting to me. See, I'm just an experience junkie. So, like... That, too. That's that great, <laughs> but I'm talking just, like, setting foot on another... Like, I, it still gives me the chills to think of that we've got robots just right and driving around Mars. The fact that we shot this got probe... got robots driving around California now, too. <laughs> <laughs> the Sergey? Uh, the fact that we we just shot a probe to Pluto and got these yeah. gorgeous photos of something that we'd only seen as like a 20-pixel dot before, it mm-hmm. just, I think, is incredible. So being able to put boots on the ground, like the first person that lands on an asteroid, the first person that lands yeah. on another planet... I'm super excited about this Martian movie with Matt Damon coming out. Have you seen the preview for that? I saw it, yeah. Oh, I saw that with you. Okay. I, I, I thought you were doing the. the no, because I'm going to set you up for a conversation. Sometimes I get confused about the stuff I do with Cecily and the stuff. Okay. It gets weird sometimes. You that know, it's like kissing weird. you on the neck, but uh-huh. um, I ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I think you enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, that stuff is just 
mother's milk to me. I love that shit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to be able to live it, even if it's like a fairly good chance of, well, I mean, I don't know if like someone said 99% of the time you're going to die on this rocket. Maybe mm-hmm. I wait, but like, as, like if someone as says we don't 50, know the 50. risks, if someone says we don't ah. know the risks or if the risks are like one out of 10 mm-hmm. or like, you know, space shuttle odds, one out of a hundred, like t- absolutely. I take that risk. All right. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going for sure. Uh, I feel like we're not talking about this movie so much as we're talking about the ideas that this movie brings to mind. I think that would please Carl Sagan. I think so, too, because I think ultimately that's what the movie is there for. And that's what his book is there for, to to instill in you some sense of wonder at the universe and what could be out there um, versus what we experience in everyday life. All right. Well, and that's kind of been his mission all along. Sure. I mean, that's uh, what Carl Sagan is in a nutshell, if you ask me. Yeah, he tried to, uh, you know, him and, like, what Neil deGrasse Tyson's doing right now and, like, Stephen Jay Gould before, you know, I think he died before Sagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, if Neil deGrasse Tyson dies of thyroid cancer or something, I'm <laughs> going to th- assume that being a popular scientist is as hazardous to your health. Um, but yeah. these guys tried to bridge, like, you know, they're not the... Um, uh, who's the asshole I don't like? Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins. Yeah. Richard Dawkins does not give a shit about extending an olive branch to. He is the extremist that is trying to move the Overton window, tug it along. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. Whereas Carl Sagan, like, I felt like he tried to make it accessible, and at least people that are questioning or opening to scientific thought and inquiry, he was not trying to poison that well. Or I think Dawkins right. doesn't give a shit if he poisons the well. Sure. Um. Let me add- and that's the interesting thing about Sagan because I know from reading his books, specifically Demon Haunted World, that he is in fact an atheist. Sure, um, and then he uses a lot of the same, you know, principles and ideas um, that are presented in this movie in a very rough fashion to justify that position. And I, I think this movie does not do quite the same thing that a Demon Haunted World does. What do you mean? Uh, Demon of the World is basically a deconstruction of all the hooey that you've heard. And in that hooey, he lumps the idea of a god. Okay. And he uses things like Occam's Razor, which I think this movie doesn't use to great effect and doesn't actually use accurately at all um, to kind of disprove those ideas. Or not, not disprove them, but cast doubt on those ideas. Yeah, but like I said, with the olive branch theory, like... I know, and that's if you so so like if you are a person who is disillusioned with religion and Mm -hmm. are like a college student studying you know science and biology perhaps for the first time, Demon Haunted World is written for you. Yeah, this is written for people that are further you know just like a chick tract Mm -hmm. is not actually like I don't I hope they don't think that they're actually going to convert anyone with that. That's for someone who is like turned off of modern society and is scared of science. And this guy is going to give you this shitty cartoon of a college student destroying a PhD in biologist about wrong things about evolution. Sure. You know, those like demon haunted world is like, well, like, or maybe the God delusion would be the chick tracked version <laughs> of atheist world uh-huh but but you know demon haunted world is closer to that axis and cosmos is the olive branch it's like come to our side come to the dark side we have cookies it's, yeah I, we're not threatening we're respecting and that, I, I guess that's and we kind of all have the same goal 
Yeah. Even if we approach it differently, like in the end, you know, Matthew McConaughey is one of his final lines is that we're all just kind of looking for truth. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we use the tools at our disposal differently. Um, and we just plain use the tools at our disposal. And those are different tools, uh, to come to the truth that we can discover with those tools. And I think that's kind of the message that this movie has, um, is that, you know, we're all kind of on the same path. We're just approaching it differently. Well, and showing a, a, an atheist scientist, a person of reason, confronted with the, you know, the McConaughey problem. Uh, what do you of do with a guy that devastatingly good looking that you really oh, don't find oh, his yeah. worldviews acceptable, but you want to bone him so bad? Sure. No, no that's McConaughey a... problem of like, <laughs> I've, I, why do I believe? Because like, you know, I, I thought it was a great argument when he says, prove that you love your father. Prove to me right now that you love your father. There is evidence for those things, though. Well, but I mean, it's in this sense, her father's dead. So what evidence could she show? Sure. Right? Like, and that's kind of like the evidence I have that I believe in God is within me. And there's nothing I can like, you know, you're just going to say I'm delusional or that I, you know, had a little bit too much to drink or I was, you know, robo tripping or whatever. I thought that yeah, was a great point. You can also point, point. To, point to pictures that she has of her and her father where they're smiling and hugging each other and things like that. I mean, they're, they're, they're but actions But in a scientific that proof, that, that is – yeah, but that, though they prove that you're capable of doing actions to people assigned to love. <laughs> okay. Let's say, like, let's say that – you know, That distinction is pretty – It's not. It is not. I promise you it's not. Like does Bill Gates dubious. care about Africa? Or does Bill Gates have a lot of money and he likes the like this is kind of like is altruism really altruism or is it really another side of selfishness that you want, you know, secretly you're doing this because it gives you good feelings to do it. If it didn't give you good feelings to help other people, you wouldn't do it. So is it really altruism? But what does that say about the person who's saying it's not altruistic? They're ascribing motives based on their own preference you know it's no, not I like mean, usually that the, those those arguments are put forth by pretty miserable sons of bitches but i'm just saying <laughs> that's it what i mean like I, i'm just saying that as as a way of the, saying that like if you if like if you look at it from a purely scientific point a picture of someone smiling with someone else is just a proof that uh this person conformed to social expectations at the time the photo was taken okay I I don't know that I agree with that, but I don't have a great argument against. Yeah, you've it. got no scientific argument against it. I, I like I said, I feel like the more I think about it, the more I mean, like, hooking someone up to like father. an EKG and then saying think about your father. There are some ideas there that you could potentially quote unquote prove. Okay, that you okay, love your father. Okay, that's good. So let's say you hook up a person to an EKG and tell them to think about their experience with God. And it triggers all the, the the emotional and mental and parts of the brain. Now responses. prove that God exists. Well, I can prove that his fa- that her father existed, but you can't prove that she loves him. That's the that's that's why he said he didn't say prove that your father sure. exists. He said prove that you love your father. No, no, no. You're but giving evidence. I, what I'm saying is, if if the parts of the brain that say "Hey, this is love" light up in your EKG, and when you're thinking about your father, and when you're thinking about God. Well, you, we know that that's her not father what I'm saying. Exists. I'm saying, like, let's say that there's a part of the brain that triggers when you're restoring an actual event that someone you could tell it's the difference between a dream. And when a people think about their experience with God, it actually lights up the experiential part of the brain mm. rather than the dream part. That is just as strong of evidence that some as someone loves their father. Yet it's not evidence that God exists. 
It's evidence that they had something that actually happened that they remember that's verifiable, but it could be a sense of you could then as a scientist say, well, that's just a sense of awe or you had but could you oxygen then, deprivation. Could you then or, say, remember a negative memory of your father? Remember the time that he beat you or something? Like, sure. And, and then say the that analogy? these other these other parts are lighting up and those it, like I'm not I don't know that we have the brain perfectly mapped to the point where we can prove love. But I think it's it's possible. Sure, it is possible. And, and and so like that I mean that calls into question, you know, the idea of science because we have to occasionally say I don't know or a lot of the time say I don't know that nullifies the idea that science is a useful tool. I completely disagree with that. No, it's it's super tough. It's one of the things that makes science a useful tool. I, I agree. I agree. Um so like to say that you can't necessarily prove love at this time is Maybe an argument that can be used now, but I don't know that it can be used in the future when we could map the parts of the brain that understand love and that equate to love. Possibly. But so like it's like, I like the way the Buddhists roll where they're like, we are a study of truth, which means that none of our tenets can violate things that are proven from science. Uh, so like if, okay. if let's say that early Buddhists and didn't some believe Christians in evolution, actually think that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's kind of like where the Catholic church is, 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 uh, kind of circling around right now that like necessarily, yeah. Like honestly. evolution, big bang. I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure that's actually Catholic thought right now, but I'm not a Catholic. Uh, but like, but I do know, cause I did a discussion with the Buddhist recently and they said that, um, Let's say that, like, Buddhists 500 years ago believed in creation. Like, you know, like, everything mm-hmm. came from the lotus flower of the uh, – that's actually Hindu. Anyway, let's say they had a creation <laughs> myth and it was proven wrong. Then they like, okay, we're wrong. We now – the universe is created by Big Bang. Yeah. That doesn't mean – tell us shit about achieving nirvana or sure, – or, sure. or what we our, – our spiritual enlightenment that was handed down through personal revelation by the Lord Buddha. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's cool. And I, to me, that's putting, that's like, you're talking about a God of the gaps. Like, you know, we know God exists because who else put the, who else made the sunrise and who else made the rain shot and who else made the rainbows. And then scientists come like, well, the sun rises because we're rotating around as ball of fire and it rains because that yeah, ball the of fire. Hits. That is there are always gaps. There's always, so you're in yeah. the gaps keep getting smaller. Well, sure. you can't prove that, you know, and, and, and God keeps getting smaller and smaller to fit in his cracks where if you just say, fuck it, he's supernatural. We'll never be able to understand him in science, but we can through personal revelation, understand that metaphysical thing. What science say about that? They don't shit to say about that. Sure, they can't say anything about it because it's not falsifiable. And, you know, like, is that useful? I don't know. Is it useful to have a source of peace and well-being in a sometimes scary, uncaring, unthinking, unfeeling universe? Is it I would useful say to have a... To bel- the individual, it's probably useful. To society, it's probably bad. I think... I, because wow. uh, personally, I want to know... I want to understand and know as few false things as possible. But these aren't as, false things. These are th- these are unprovable things. I know, but how do you how do you how is it bad distinguish to... between false things and unprovable things? You can't, and therefore I no, err on the true. side of provable things. The, well, I mean, you can just not have a belief in it. But like, I I I guess I have a problem with you saying that it's bad for society as a whole. Religion as frequently implemented by society occasionally is bad for society. If you believe things that 
are false, and let's say we can't prove that they're false, we we can't prove that they're true. There's just no way to touch it with with any kind of instrument, uh-huh. um, science or otherwise. If you believe those things and you act on those things, I think that is necessarily a negative impact on society. But what is your? How do you act on a belief in the afterlife? Uh, you, I don't know. You fucking drive too fast. You you live like there is an afterlife. But that's a problem uh, with the live fr- recklessly. That, I don't that, know. That's a problem with the framework of you implementing the belief in the afterlife. Not sure, necessarily. sure. But what what I'm saying is, if you believe things things that are provable, if you believe those, uh-huh. I think you can take the steps uh, necessary to live within that framework, uh-huh. and it makes sense because those things are things that we understand and know. Hmm. As much as we can know anything, I'm not going to get into the whole philosophical sure. science doesn't prove anything. Uh, but I, I just don't like the idea of people acting on beliefs that they have no justification for. But that's, that's the, the problem. That's, that's, that's the disconnect you're hitting. They actually have a justification. It is that personal feeling. No provable justification. Like, it's pr- they don't need to prove it to you, asshole. They have it inside them. That's the whole sure. – that's, that's the point that, that – I don't need to prove something that I know with a metaphysical certitude to myself. I can't prove it to you, but I know it exists within me. How do you know it exists, though? Because I felt God touch my heart. Is that what you felt? I'm, I'm saying I can't prove it to you, but you like can't it's the prove Jody it Foster. Happen. It's the Jody Foster, was it a dream problem, you know? Like, sure. did you actually go anywhere, or did you hit your head and... You exactly. had this unconscious, and and I now what I was I think that's an interesting point that they make in the film. But if she were to dream that like James Woods had a gun and was going to kill, uh, I don't know Matthew McConaughey, and she acted on that and killed him, and it turned out that it was a dream and it wasn't real, like that's that's a negative thing, right? Like, like those those delusions, if you want to call them that. Can yeah, lead no, to harmful I, results. I get and, you. Like when you start could, hearing voices and you do what the voices tell you to do, it can be pretty scary. But I also don't think. And that's maybe what those we're voices about. are real. Yeah. Maybe they're coming from a higher power, and it's a good thing to do. Or maybe they're bad. There's no way to prove that even to yourself. You're right. right. Like that's the problem. It's just a feeling you have. I feel like and toxic I, religion is like pornography. You see, you know it when you see it. But like, so like, even can, something that looks benign, though, I'm. I'm a little hesitant about. If, I understand if there's why no way are. to understand and prove what's going on here. I understand you are, but as long as people keep having personal re- experiences with God and find value in it, there's nothing you can do to dis- to, to Oh snuff no, that out. and and I I wouldn't go in and say your personal experience is completely invalid. Like I don't I would I, just say how how do you know? What what's I often wonder if like religion if if one of the possible end games, and this is probably highly offensive to people that are deeply religious, but sure. like I'm just saying as a thought experiment. <laughs> All of um, this is going to be probably. Uh, I, I just wonder if it's possible to eradicate religion, even if you had that as a goal. Ooh, because I don't know. Like, may, like to the extent that, like, let's say that, like, mm. let's say that I grant your argument that that these personal experiences with God are effectively our biology misfiring and giving us some feeling that, or people that's are inter- not necessarily what I'm saying, but, well, okay. but I'm saying okay, like, that's one of the that things way. or it's a dream. That's or, one possible explanation. Or it's a yeah. sense of awe that you're misinterpreting. Uh-huh. Those feelings un- until we like it, it upload our consciousness into machines, those feelings are never going to stop happening. They're a, mm-hmm. they're an emergent prop. Pro- they're, a, they're an emergent property of our consciousness. 
Yeah. And since that is what forms, like, I don't, like, one of the things I disagree with Rust Cole in season one of True Detective is I don't think religion came about because one monkey wanted another monkey to give him a banana. And they said, no. the son told you to. I think it's a, That's a, very, a natural evolution trying to explain the things we experience. Yeah, like telling yeah. stories and matching patterns about things are what helped us, gave us evolutionary uh, advantage in in migration and knowing when it's time to, like, you know, get the fuck out and, and walk south so you don't freeze to death. Like, there's all kinds of useful things that came out of that. Mm-hmm. So to that extent, like, I – if that is the birth of religion, then religion is something that's going to continue to be reintroduced in society again and again and again. Like, it's a cycle that's going to wax and wane. People are going to be over-religious and bad things are going to happen and then people are going to run away from that into secularism and it's going to – you know, you've seen that in, like – you know, yeah, and you, like the like Roman times, like people weren't devout sure. followers of the gods. Like they sometimes they got super serious when they got their asses kicked, and then they kind of got lax. And I feel like that that's just going to be a cycle that happens forever. Like ten thousand years ago, I think you're right. Now we will worship something. Maybe it's the universe. Well, maybe I, it's string theory. But so, so I think you're right because like a lot of people who consider science as the ultimate tool for discovery, which I count myself among them. Sure. Um, a lot of those people think that science can answer everything and that there will be a point where there are no questions left to answer. And I firmly believe that that is not true. Every I already new... think it's it's provable it's not true now because science yes. cannot answer why you are here. Sure. Or actually it has an answer and it is there is no answer. Well, it doesn't have the answer. It's just that we don't have the answer. Like – Right. The, There's the no answer, way for science null. to prove a why. It's a null. It's, it's, it returns the null response. Unless you're talking about like physical phenomenon, like why does the sun set? Sure. Those whys it can answer, but why are we here is not a question that science will ever try to answer. It's, it, they would, in fact, science would see it as a nonsense answer or it's a nonsense question. Sure. So. And that, that's an interesting thing. That's where thing metaphysics that, steps in and that philosophy. The movie, yes, the, the movie Contact touches that too, right? Sure. It, it goes to the aliens and they say, you know, the the most – I forget exactly what they say, but they basically say that the only point of being is finding other life forms and being together. You know, the, the only thing that's ever wiped out that sense of loneliness that everyone's feeling is the discovery of other – That seems like a useful framework. Intelligence. Sure. Yep. And I, I really think that's an interesting idea, you know, because to me I could see where somebody could describe religion as – a replacement for the loneliness of the universe mm-hmm. because it is an inherently, if if you believe that there is nothing else out there in the universe, no alien life, we are the only sentient life forms or not sentient, but um, thinking intelligent life forms out there. That's, yeah. that's a pretty lonely concept, right? But, yeah. but, but then if you go and say, okay, now there's other things out there that we need to explore and find and connect with. I think that brings a sense of uh, community to the universe, yeah. which is one thing that I think the movie tries to do. And I think that there's or different – Or to get us to think about. And, and like – so, you know, there's – I hear a lot of uh, atheists say that people cling to religion because they're, you know, like weak-minded or weak-willed or they're unable to come up with their own or reason. Or they're, yeah. they're unable to come up with their own reason for existence and make it up. But like – sure. What if some people are honestly biologically incapable of that Hmm. because of a natural variation in their personalities and genetics? Just like 
There are people that have spiders for a pet. I'm not capable of that because I'm fucking terrified of them. Like having a tarantula crawl up my arm is something I don't think I could do for a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. This feels dangerously close to a justification for slavery. No, 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 no. I'm not going to that. What I'm (laughs) saying is like, (laughs) all right. So like those people that are saying like, that's like having super motivated people talk to a, uh, a person that is a more type B and say, you just got to be a go-getter. You got to sure, go yeah, out there and yeah. talk to people and you got to mm-hmm. make deals and you got to close deals. Well, my like, brain chemistry is not such that I can do that. Yeah. Like Asshole. you're telling, you're telling me to with a broken leg to walk. And, but that's, even, yeah, yeah. that's, but that, see, I'm saying this like prejudicial language. There's nothing wrong with being that type of person. Maybe mm. that person does need religion, not as crutch, but as a way to compensate for the fact that they do not have that go-getter type of lifestyle. And also, maybe you go-getter, or I find my own meaning, maybe you have a weakness that this person solves. Because there is some some purpose for, like, I mean, I do believe that there is, that conservative people, liberal people, we all serve a purpose in society. mm -hmm. That if we just had all liberal people, we just had all conservative people, that society wouldn't work. And there are there are toxic things on both extremes of that, but we need that duality for whatever reason to 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 make the world go around. Hmm, like maybe. we might need religious people for some reason if we er- eliminated them all uh, in some kind of final solution type of thing. Jesus, yeah. No. See, this is where I was worried the conversation was going. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I I hate to trust I, me. I don't believe in anything like that. No, I know. You I don't, don't think the, the I don't religious think anyone people need to be rounded up. Think that I'm saying right. that I do think there are people like Richard Dawkins that would like to exterminate religion, and I wonder the concept, not the people who believe. Yes, it. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if that's even possible, uh-huh. and also what would replace it to if if this is some kind of biological imperative that is inborn in some people for some for some reason like if we're stuck with this revelatory experiences of god for geological time periods Mm -hmm. what replaces religion in a post-religious world yeah i mean that comes to the whole question of nature nature versus nurture i would love to hear what dawkins thinks about that i've never heard him actually ask that particular question but i'm not a big person that says religion needs to go I feel like we need to identify toxic forms of religion, religion that holds us back and that makes people hurt each other and themselves and uh, moderate those. But I don't see anything wrong with religious people in society. Okay. What? So let's talk about... Let's talk about the movie. Well, I want to go one more thing (laughs) and then yes. So we this movie makes a very elegant parallel structure where Matthew McConaughey is in, is introduced and he has this thing where like I know because I've had a personal uh, yeah. experience with God and, and Jodie Foster is like at the end of the movie Jodie Foster has the same thing yep. and I'm like this is interesting and they fucking pull their punch God they by having it James so Wood suppress evidence of her hours of in, encounter being real yeah what the fuck that. That actually really pissed me off. That that I feel like that somehow got screen tested and inserted late in the game because that destroys that structure. I think you're right. It as, stacks the deck. It puts a big thumb on Jodie Foster's side of the scale. Sure, it does. But yeah. robs her of the victory because she doesn't even know it. And that's where I I come to this question about what's in the book and what's in the movie. I wish I had been able to read the book because I want to know. I I hear. From the, from the reading I did, I did a bunch of extensive reading on, like, 
some of the the problems with this movie and stuff like that. And I I came away not sure. S- somebody said something about like the ending of this movie is different in the book, the, the ending of the story. Yeah. Um, and I I wish I knew what it was. Yeah, it's weird because you read me some quotes that said because Sagan died the year before this movie was released. Tragically, I wish he had the opportunity to comment on the. But he had to know about the script and how things were going. Of course, he he was busy dying of cancer. Maybe he didn't. Um, No, he did. Uh, There are some notes that he wrote on a rough draft of the script. But some of the things he wrote about, like I thought, were intentional because he was writing an apology for science to religion. And if anything, hmm. it seemed like he wanted like, why is Jodie Foster getting her uh, philosophical ass handed to her by when there's an obvious comeback here? And also, and, and I, Sagan had a problem with that. Well, I, I thought wrote. Jodie Foster's character was a terrible advocate for science the whole time. Like, there's a scene where she's pitching uh, her idea of SETI, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, which mm-hmm. is a real thing, uh, which is not. I don't think it's a laughing stock of scientists. It's a respect, isn't it? I, I get the feeling that the operation itself is not, but kind of the stuff that it revolves around hmm. SETI in maybe the less scientific communities oh, is. Oh, okay, sure. You know? Like you start, the intersection Like I'm an SETI. amateur SETI operator. Yes, like, the intersection of researcher. men in black and SETI. Exactly. And swamp gas and Area 54. But 50. I, th- I think SETI itself is fairly well respected. Okay. So she's pitching this to this obviously smug uh, board members of the board. This board yes. that she's begging for money, mm-hmm. and they gave they give her like a very reasonable objection. And what she, you're talking about sounds less like science and more like science fiction. And she fucking comes unglued and just starts giving <laughs> this raving about how fucking stupid they are. And I'm like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, you would think that. She would not be totally unprepared for this very mild and reasonable objection. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I wrote that down, she says, I've spent 13 months making this speech. to board. And I'm like, and you still haven't got a satisfying way to deal with this objection? Jesus Isn't Christ, it? lady, you're a terrible advocate for your position. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I, okay. I mostly agree with you on that. Um, is it possible that she just snapped after hearing this for the 500th time? Like she's like, oh. Yeah, that old argument. But no. Okay, here we fucking go. I, but do you want the money <laughs> or not? And also, like, you true, should, true. as you get more practice, you should get better. And you're like, oh, I, to me, because I've done some of this before, advocacy and, like, speechifying at various things. And I always love it when someone asks me a question that, that you've already thought about, premeditated. But it seems like it's, like, one of those things <laughs> where it's, like. If an, an an uneducated person in the audience is like, oh, I can't wait to see what this guy does, and I know it's a fat fucking floater, I'm going to knock it out of the park. I yeah. start drooling. <laughs> like, if someone – like, that reaction yeah, is more common. You just stepped into a bear trap. Yeah, that reaction is more common if you don't know your shit or someone catches you off guard. But okay. if she's been in this for 13 months, that should be a fly ball that she just – Knocks out. Well, I just mix my metaphors. That should be yeah. a sport thing that she really yeah. dunk slams. It'll be a foul ball. Scores down good. Sends her home. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that that I I I, uh, I, I, I don't know why they did from. that because they they had some really elegant debate, uh, and then they had sometimes where like Jodie Foster just had to act like an idiot because that was her job. 
Like, yeah, I, honestly, like when Matthew McConaughey asked her if she's an atheist and said, we're trying to find a person that represents all of humanity. 90% of people believe in God. Are you an atheist? Mm-hmm. And she was kind of upset with him as a sign. Like, I would ask what God does 90% believe in first. But I, I kind of agree with their ultimate decision to send someone who is religious. Well, I'm going to say if you want to represent everyone the most, you'd either pick a Muslim or a Hindu, right? I but, think so. But but uh, other than that, like I, we were talking about this, like, you know, like mer- the Marines hate guys from the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then until an Air Force guy steps into the bar <laughs> and they all turn and beat the shit out of him. Sure. So it's like. And then when a civvy steps in, forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I feel like that that's the way it is with religious people. Like they might like not like a Christian might not like a Muslim or think a Hindu is misguided. But the atheist stands across the fucking gulf. Yeah. Like you just don't even yet. You don't even believe in God, man. Like that blow like some deep religious people that just blows their mind. Like and and it makes them say stupid stuff like, well, how do you not rape people? If you don't have a a person in the sky telling you not to, how how do you know not to kill and rape people? And and atheists say that is a terrifying way to look at the world. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, is it your belief in God is the only thing keeping you from? What if you lose your belief in yeah, God? It's like don't crack Ooh, any books on yeah. evolution. Stay away from cosmos. Don't watch these these things. So like, there's a lot of talk about this not being an America centric panel and and decision process, right? Yeah, and yet. It kind of all comes down to America. Sure. Like, and they try to wave that away by saying, oh, well, America's footing most of the bill for it. And of course, they're going to be overrepresented in this panel. But that felt pretty realistic to me, though. I, I didn't really feel like there was much of a an external debate. We never saw another candidate outside of those the two Americans drumming. They talked and, about it. They, they said it on they the They briefly mentioned it, are... but we never see any kind of questioning no. of any other candidate other than Jody Foster and Drumlin. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's one question asked by I think a can one of the panelists from France mm-hmm. um, is asking Jodie Foster questions. Mm-hmm. It-, it still felt very America centric to me. Well, but I don't know. Nowadays with space research, it seems like we're get- getting left behind. But back mm-hmm. in the heyday, I mean, you know, it did seem like America did most of the heavy lifting for whatever reason. Um. You know, because the, yeah, I suppose so. You know, but for the large part, it's because of the Cold War and we we're in a dick swinging contest with the Russians. Yeah, but, they also did a lot. Yeah, but <laughs> like you know, if you're looking for, I, and I feel like that's a, you know, America would like they would try to, you know, uh, oh yeah, I I we would totally try to 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 arm you know make sure that we our interests are protected above all. But Certainly. we would say we want everybody invited. But so like, I just wish the movie had shown a little bit more of the conflict there, sure, I guess. Sure. To to be more geopolitically accurate. It's like, you know, America's all about the United Nations, but the headquarters got to be in New York City. Uh-huh. We have to have full veto power over everything you guys decide. Yeah. And it's really about us. <laughs> Come on. I mean, we it's there's other countries in there too, but like, you know, it's not a But fair. they're all our allies. Like it's Well, no, you got the Russians and Chinese have veto powers too. That's true. that's only because the Russians probably said, Fuck you, we're not gonna if you don't have the Russians in the cold the height of the post war world, then what the hell are you even doing to the United Nations? Yeah, and it's only recently that China it's has Team become America the, the power. Wor- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I felt like that was actually kind of real politic. I felt like 
I thought the James Wood character was a bit of a cartoon. He has some kind of agenda, and I'm trying to figure out why. I think he's like, just where does his agenda stem from? He's kind of like he, he's kind of like uh, the the generals you see. They're always coming up with these horrifying plans to win wars. But I can understand you know? their their agenda, right? Okay. They they want to perpetuate this war machine that has served them so well. Well, it's, so it's like what he, is James Wood's core motivating factor? It's it's it kind of like Tom Skerritt's character, who he's supposed to be some billionaire. Research scientist, businessman, I get, and also the slash politician. Also, like, the dude living on the space station who is a wealthy philanthropic research scientist engineer. Make no bones is basically Bill Gates, right? I mean, his software is running on the computers that See, they're I using it, at the VLA. I thought it was supposed to be a nod to like Arthur C. Clarke, who like dressed Ooh. like that guy and moved to Sri Lanka and kind of got eccentric, but was still. See, I'm seen seeing as Bill brilliant. Gates because you notice that the the operating system they're using on those telescope on that telescope array is Haddon Industries, right? Uh huh. Everything was so Haddon I, Industries. Yeah, I felt like you know I've always had this idea of like Bill Gates needed to live on the fucking moon because he's sure. the only one who can. Why uh, so maybe that's where the wires are getting crossed. There's also a big chuckle that anyone would choose to live on. Um, the the Russian what was the shit mirror. The mirror yeah anyone with cancer would choose to live in space where when, they're not shielded from the radiation yeah like like no joke astronauts get cancer all the fucking time because yeah. they are spending a ton of like being bombarded like by I said that like you got cancer and your solution is to ride in an airplane all the time yeah because bad you, idea. you you actually like like going on a transcontinental flight is like the equivalent of getting a chest X ray because you're that much above the atmosphere which protects us from being in a fucking space station all the time, like so, astronauts are willingly trading off massive cancer risk and shortness of life for the experience of being an astronaut. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? And also, <laughs> Mir well, was a really the gravity shitty space lack station in that era of... It's true. Yeah. You know, like it was like that would not be spacious or enjoyable or whatever. But anyway, um, what point were we trying to make? Yeah, like there's a lot of these composite characters that didn't feel very realized. And I felt like James Wood was the composite warlord, conservative, xenophobic bureaucrat. Yeah. Like those all guys, like the Pentagon officials and like the really um, like neoconservative worldview, like isolate you know, the, the Xenoph all that stuff was shoved into one character and it made him seem like, like a cartoon. That's weird though. Cause I could, I feel like if Rob Lowe's character, you know, he's in, he's in it very little, but he's clearly an advocate for religion. If he were the one trying to disprove this the experience that Jodie Foster had, like I could understand why, but I don't, he's James not. Woods never expresses the idea that he is against this yeah, yeah. other than just to be, like You're maybe right. he felt a little out of the loop at the beginning. Like she insulted him, like saying, "Get your guys out of the, out of the lab. This uh -huh. is a civilian opera." Maybe it's that petty, but yeah. But why? And then why is he suppressing this information? Yeah. And how is he? Because this is like science. Like I, there's hundreds of scientists working on this project. <laughs> sure. Like that's, who are more probably more altruistic than he is. Yeah. Like this is going to get leaked out, dude. Yeah. And maybe that's like what conspiracy theorists people would say. Be like, yeah, exactly. Just like the Greys in Area Fifty One are leaked <laughs> oh, out. Boy. Like, um, and it's not like they don't have a. That's the thing. It's like you know I've been arguing conspiracy theorists lately, and it's like not like you don't have a point. I just yeah. don't agree with you in this particular case. Um, I I don't know. We we talked a little bit about 
you know, them them choosing to send someone religious, yes. someone who believes in God. If you're on this panel, let's say you're given full full power to choose who goes. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make that decision? Because I think this is a fairly interesting question that is that is addressed. At I don't least pick in Tom Skerritt, that's movie. for sure, because he was a smarmy, hypocritical ass. Okay, like I'm, my I'm with you God, yeah. he was like, how many? How He'll many times say whatever I... he thinks the aliens want to hear. Yes, right? yeah. like I felt like I don't know. It'd be it, you know what? It'd be a very political process. Do you see someone be... good looking? Someone smart? Someone who believes in God? How how do you dress them? Do you dress them in current fashions of what country? Huh. Do you dress them in a spacesuit? Like how do, how do you choose someone to represent the vast differences of the people on Earth? I can't I even know. imagine. Uh, I mean, it's funny because like bolted to the Voyager probes uh, is is this gold plate that has like an idealized depiction of men and women, hmm. and we kind of look like Plato people. Because they tried to split the difference between, like, I don't want their hair to be too Caucasian, but it can't look too Africanoid. And yeah. it's got the, you know. Give and, them basically and then a also, like, there form. was, like, uh, they, the original drawing had the cleft of a woman's vagina. Uh, hmm. They deleted that because that was indecent, but the dude's rocking his twig and berries. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, this, it becomes wow. this intense political process. So you're right. Like, yeah. betting someone to go on this would be such an intense political process. And it would take so long. Like, that, that's the idea that. People I saw on the internet complaining about the inconsistencies in this were like, there is no way during Clinton's term that this thing would be built. And I agree, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a movie shortcut. Well, I don't know, because like, I, it, Robert Zubrin makes a point in his case, there, I think it's called The Case for Mars, where he said the only way you can do that is within a single presidential term. Like, if you want to go so. to Mars, then a president has to come, get sworn into office, and that year say, God damn, we're going to Mars. And he has to maintain popularity enough the year four, continue the commitment, and then get it done before because – But but they – so in 97, they have three years, right, to get yeah. this done during Clinton's term. Sure. His, his second term. I cannot believe that this machine will be built in three years and a candidate would be selected in three years. I just don't see it happening. I don't know. And apparently in the this book, is... it happens over a much longer amount of time. It was just yes. Zemeckis wanted to use the footage of Clinton. Obviously, they don't know who's going to be the next president, and they have no sure. footage of the next president. Oh, by so... the way, Clinton was pissed about that. Using his, yes. his visage Yes, and, and also there's a lot of weird things like CNN felt institutionally bad that they allowed themselves yeah. to be so prominently used in a Warner Brothers picture, which is a Time Warner you know, they it's a conflict of interest. I'm like, yeah, really, CNN? CNN? Yeah. That you think is your biggest problem with ethics and credibility? Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what's wrong with journalism today. Yeah. That you're sweating this fucking thing. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just movie shit. You know what's something sure. that really bugged me? Hmm. Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey have zero chemistry and zero, like, the fact I didn't buy their one-night stand. I didn't buy their continued intimacy. Yeah, like, I don't really buy their connection. I bought them as like, intellectual is... foils. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't buy them as any kind of real physical. They, there's zero chemistry, which is... I, I'm, I'm mostly with you. There, there's a line early on that her dad says to her about the universe being an awful waste of space if there's nothing else out there that Matthew McConaughey regurgitates. Um, you know, he, he doesn't know that he's doing that, but he's sure. pushing her giant fucking button of, 
I miss my dad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like this is someone who maybe thinks a little bit like he did. Uh so I feel like that's maybe what's connecting them. This this idea of I don't know. I'm struggling to figure out how lonely Jodie Foster is in this movie. She seems pretty lonely, but she also seems yeah. kind of like she's on the her spectrum. Mother, so maybe she never she knew her mother. Yeah. Her father died when she was nine. You got to imagine that her going to the beach and seeing her father and them saying the only thing that's ever alleviated that loneliness is finding other species is there for a reason, right? Like that's trying to tell us as an audience, yes, she's very lonely. Yeah. But they, they don't linger on it very very long. But I'm just saying the that funeral act... doesn't take much time. Sure. And she doesn't seem to have much of a reaction to it. And then she comes flying in, she gets on her ham radio, and she's like, you know, can I, I mean, I always thought it was interesting that you'd let like an eight-year-old girl <laughs> talk on ham radio with a bunch of, you know, truckers and fucking Radio Shack nerds Yeah, and come shit. on back, uh, TK421. Yeah, age, sex, location. Uh, you sound young and hot. I'm up here with the goat. It's got its legs spread, and I'm doing nasty things. This is Gerald Fogel. <laughs> I like to eat fresh. Come back. <laughs> no, I I think that, um, like, like, try that shit on the internet. Oh, my God. Like, that's the modern equivalent of the ham radio uh-huh. network, right? Like, yeah, go to uh, Reddit. I can see it. I'm an eight-year-old girl. I just lost my dad. I'm AMA. trying to make contact from, <laughs> yes, <laughs> AMA. Like, it, Why are you such a whore? It would be a shit show. <laughs> it would be a shit show. It really would. Like, letting her on the line with truckers by herself is a bad idea. Yes. Unsupervised access to truckers yes. for an eight-year-old girl. Um. But no, I like the fact that there's a lot of really cool the telescope porn in this movie. Like, you know, a Cerebo yeah. and the very large array and like all that shit that's real and it's cool. Um, I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Phil Plate did a write-up on this movie and he was like, the people in front of me when they saw those telescopes uh, in the desert, they were like, oh, that's a cool effect. No, He's like, nope, those fucking exist, and it's pretty cool that people think it's an effect. That's a that's that is <laughs> not a set. Um, but no, the, their their chemistry was just like when she's given this speech about Venus and it being the god of beauty and how beautiful and it is. It's it's strikingly beautiful. It's been unusually high in the sky this summer. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, it has been clustered around the moon and like Jupiter, and there's been some really cool stuff in the sky. But the face McConaughey was making while she was saying all this was like, uh huh. Uh huh. Take off your top. <laughs> like no, see, like it's there's. Just, I didn't just, notice, but yeah, it's just this. Like I didn't feel like any of this was getting through, and she kind of has like this vague contempt for it. I just didn't buy any of it, and that's kind of like one of the central things in the movie. And if I, they had better chemistry, I think the movie would be more successful. As like, I don't think this movie is successful as a form of entertainment. As an intellectual... I kind of agree. As an intellectual exercise and a thought-inducing experiment. Maybe an introduction to some of these questions. Yes. I think it's good. But... And I think that's why people like it. But as just a, just an entertaining movie mm-hmm. that uh, that that uh, you want to watch over and over and over again. Um, I mean, it's a movie that stick with you one way or another. I think so. And, uh, like... So I think that's where it succeeds in kind of, you know, forwarding... Carl Sagan's legacy is that it it feels very Sagan in its message. Its message is one of awe and wonder at the universe, you know, taking this idea of of the amazing thing that could be God and directing it toward something that is more present, I guess. And that, that's kind of always been his thing is to say, look how amazing the universe is. Look how wonderful and awe inspiring it is. Think about that. 
and then get excited about that. And I feel like this movie does a fairly good job of conveying that when she's, you know, in in the pod and she's seeing these nebula and these galaxies floating around her um, from this vantage point. That's pretty awe inspiring. Yeah, but so here's the problem I have with this as a second movie, and I wonder where. But, so like, there's, you know, in Stargate, uh, which may be a commission that we're doing very soon. But mm-hmm. you know, like the Daniel character is a laughing stock among scientists because he's pushing this ancient Egyptology view. It's like essentially ancient aliens. Yeah, yeah. The History Channel guy, the crazy hair. It's, it's aliens, man. Aliens built pyramids. Sure. Yeah. Um. Because that's crazy. Jodie Foster as seen as, as they make it seem that SETI is not respected and the evidence they do is because like they tried to pass off like swamp gas reflected off of a weather uh, balloon as an external and, and a washing machine thumping and like all this shit and I'm like. This is a weird movie for Sagan to make because essentially it's like Jodie Foster, if your research team was better and you were less shitty with your science and you actually had better internal reviews of your process, like one of the turning points in the movie is when she has the bright idea of like calling up Australia. Do you see this same signal coming from the same spot? And they're like, yeah, it does. Apparently, her team never did that before publishing research on any of these signals before because that's something they'd learned. Yeah. I, by trying to give this like – um that's not how most science works. It's not a lone person with a crazy fucking idea. Peer reviewed. <laughs> that it, it's 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 much slower. And like I'm not saying it's never like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you never have a guy like uh, Darwin come along and say, "Well, I think people the things that you evolved, and here's my evidence." And everyone's just like, "Uh huh, yes, okay." Well, I mean, occasionally you do, but it doesn't usually go like this. And and to make it that kind of like crazy scientist that's right against the world, they had to make her look like a really shitty scientist. Hmm. And I'm not sure why. And the other thing is, like, I thought it was interesting how, like, what, like, a fucking DEFCON 5 situation it was when they got that signal and, like, she's, sure. you know, she's running around and barking orders I can understand and doing her all that being stuff. excited, right? Excited, but it's yeah. like, are you recording this shit? Uh-huh. Like, is the rest of the world not able to hear this guy? Like, this... I don't know. They 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 tried to make the science more interesting, and I don't feel like that's this movie. Like this movie isn't an action film. It's not a summer popcorn film. They could just. It's a very intellectual, philosophical exercise. So just let it be that thing. Like I yeah, feel like- it's it's interesting because I like I come back to the idea of how much of this is Sagan and how much of this is screenwriters adapting his work. Because like right. the, the idea of a scientist being unable to defend the defend against an argument that this is basically a hoax is ludicrous. Ludicrous. I mean, you can't fake a signal from 26 light years away. Right. A star. You period flat right. out. You cannot fucking fake that. Right. Unless you at the speed of lights, 26 years ago had launched a satellite to Vega. Yeah. That that would broadcast power. And, no, it would have to be 52 years yes. ago yes. for the signal to once again reach the Earth. It's silly. Yes. That, that she would just cripple, be crippled under this argument. It's not an argument. It's a, uh, it's, I, we were talking before the show, 
And you said that, that is basically James Wood just steamrolling her. Right. Because but, like, but I feel like if she had at least tried to put up a fight and been steamrolled, but she did. I would have been like, happy. That was like the set. Like she was, she, she doesn't, was on she her doesn't second say you or can't third. fake that signal. Cause he asked her specifically, is it possible? No, no. In fact, it is impossible. Right. That that would be faked. And she doesn't say that. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your, what you're saying, but again, like, but I can't I, imagine that Sagan himself would not understand that. I think he would, but like, would he think it's important? Because you're already bending. Like, I'm seeing science and good science being per, being bent in the interest of making it more readable or more interesting and exciting to a layperson. So having her say, "No, in fact, it's not," and then sure. James would just continue to rant and rave about like, "Oh, trigonometry and redshift and all this triangle." Oh, yeah, we're supposed to understand that brainiac. But, but like, I come back to the notes that he made on the rough draft, where he was saying Ellie basically folds under these rudimentary arguments these these arguments that are not devastating at all to her case. Uh, Carl Sagan himself was saying, "I don't like that about the screenplay. We've taken our advocate for science and made her." a waffling non non scientist like so i i can't imagine that's that sagan's work is the same in its uh futility or in its uh resistance to these arguments did you find that like let's talk about the specifics of this first contact okay. did you do you find that so one of the chilling images is when we find out that the that the <laughs> the, the signal that they're sending us is Hitler's opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Sure, which is one of the first video transmissions that went out from the 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 the, the globe. And there's a really cool thing in the intro where you start off on Earth and it's playing contemporary music, and you get further and further out in the cosmos, and it gets further and further to make the. This is really cool. I like this. The, the visually, a lot. without explaining it, like yep. as you go further away, you're going back in time. It shows from you the a science, electromagnetic standpoint, and it also shows you some sense of scale to the universe and that sure. idea that we are minuscule with sure, it, which was know? a very second touch. Yeah. Um, but is that an alien's playbook to record that signal and then send it back to you? With an encrypted carrier signal? Like, what point is that? Like, why wouldn't you try to send images of yourself back? Some kind of audio of yourself. I I don't know. That's interesting. So they obviously have the equipment to decrypt our messages. Which that doesn't, I mean, to me, that's... You, or do they? No, they, they must. I they mean, if do. they send a carrier, if they like, send it as a carrier hum, signal... Hum, humanity's never going to forget about VHF. Like, it might... You know, it's just electromagnetic radiation, and you run it through a pattern analyzer, and it's like, oh, well, it's like you know, just a sequence. We can we can put this together, and it's a pattern. Like that's none of that stuff is is crazy to me. Sure, but I th- I think maybe we won't have the equipment on hand. No, I'm sure the to, aliens would probably have to fabricate yeah. something. But a lot of people are questioning why the signal comes back in '97 when, in fact, it should come back in '88. If you're saying, oh, they received it and immediately sent it back, well, nine years to build well, equipment the and is, figure out the signal. And... Or it's possible that they immediately, because I think they could do this in software. Like, they don't need the equipment. They just need to record the mm. signal, and then they can manipulate it in software, as, in as much as what yeah. Jody Foster did sure. with shitty 1997 technology. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like that one of the things is that they're only looking at a very small section of the sky at a time. So maybe they've been continually just beaming this yeah. for eight to nine years, and we just now found it. And that's that's part of the – I like the parallels there with the small steps for yes. humanity, the very small steps that she's taking, turning this knob, listening to frequencies and when she's a kid, that sort of thing. I mean it's actually I, kind I of – I find the, 
that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's kind of like freak timing that that even worked because it's just as likely that, like, you know, a society, like, what if we didn't have SETI and no one was listening? It could be a hundred sure. years. It could be a thousand years. But I don't think the aliens care. No. They're, they're talking about million-a-year time frames. Like, we'll get these guys eventually. Yeah. Eventually, they'll take their head out of their ass. When they're listen. ready to, to pick it up, they'll pick it up. Yeah. You know? yeah. That sort of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical that a complete loss of communication with the pilot of this craft would not result in a mission aboard. Well, that's why they got the blind guy, because he's got the super ears that can decrypt... <laughs> <laughs> decrypt uh signals that the computers can't hear he can hear uh-huh. jody Fa- you know that's um do you think they're making another point where like he's the only guy that can hear it in mission curl i just hear it. it's very faint she's saying go go like what if he just really wants the mission to go forward yeah and he's just fucking with like him. would james wood say the same thing if he were were in that position sure of course he would sure but the the, the blind guy with the super hearing is able to detect that she's saying yeah it's a go and they drop the ball Sure. Uh, Apparently, this whole thing happens very differently in the book. Like, there's a group of people they want to send instead of just drumming. I would imagine, sure. Like, five people or something. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, if you want to corroborate an experience, there you go. Have five different people come back and say that they experienced something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that the machine, the design of the machine, looks like the international atheism symbol. Ha! Okay. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh-huh. But like, you know, and, and what I mean by that is look it up. Like, you know, the fact that like if you're buried at Arlington Cemetery and you're an atheist, they have put a symbol on your tombstone that's like a modified, a, you know, international symbol of the atom is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got with little with with one of the loops of the electrons being an A. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, uh, say, say what you will about the idea that an alien species would be. Completely alien in, like, basically every way. You know, they wouldn't have the same anatomy. They may not have the same kind of intelligence, that sort of thing. I thought it was kind of cool that when she goes to the planet, she's talking to this vision of her father. Um, They say, you contacted us. We were just listening. You get this idea that they're doing exactly the same thing we were doing with SETI, right? They were looking. They were searching. Looking sure. for other life forms in the oh yeah the cosmos. I, I, I agree with that, and I feel like that's it's it's really cool that when when she sees this thing for the first time, she's like, "I don't have the words to describe this." They should have sent a poet. That's very Sagan to me, right? Like mm. most of these scientists who are looking at these things and experiencing them on a daily basis don't have the words to convey to the public how amazing this stuff is. Whereas Man. Sagan himself kind of transcended that, right? I don't know. They're, and became a poet for science. I feel like that's a, a little bit of a stereotype of scientists that, like, you know, I know there, I know of a lot of scientists that are gifted musicians. Sure. And, yeah. you know, they're not like these, like, uber nerds, you know, that have no social skills and stuff. No, I get it. But when you think of Sagan, that's what you think of. The the mouthpiece for science, I, right? You know, that's the thing everyone says, but I always thought Sagan was pretty stilted. And goofy, like I like Neil deGrasse Tyson he, much. He better. is goofy. I like Stephen Jay Gould much better. I thought uh. he, Stephen Jay Gould wrote about baseball and, uh, you know, growing up and and you know, in like a very down to earth, everyday, common way speech. Whereas you know, Segwin's the billions, but that and doesn't billions inspire and slicing you. apple pie into individual atoms. It was like getting a lecture yeah. by Agent Smith. But I think the thing about Carl Sagan is that he inspired people. 
it's true, but I don't think and he was... And it was the way which he conveyed these concepts to you that inspired you. But I don't think he was particularly gifted at it. He just happened to be the guy really? doing it at the time. Hmm. Like, is Bill Nye really that good as a science advocate, or is... I don't think very, he is, frankly. Or is it just that it's very uber rare to find scientists who are willing to stop doing research and make a PBS kids show? <laughs> you know, like, Carl Sagan had the wherewithal to get involved in politics and not okay, be turned off and fine. fight in the trenches. Say what you will about have people other delete, scientists. And have people delete his vaginal clefts from his goddamn plaques on Voyager <laughs> and keep fighting and get the money. Like It doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter because that's the perception of Sagan, right? Yes. Uh, um, among all these other scientists, Sagan is the guy who is out there doing sure, it. Sure. Yeah, I feel like I'm hating on him, but no. And he, so, and he so Sagan, a lot of people. Sagan, whether, whether he earns it above all other scientists or not, has the reputation. And therefore, this movie feels like Sagan to me in, in that it inspires people to think about the universe, think about the cosmos, and think about these questions. Like, I was shocked at, at how much money this movie made. In a, as you put, a loaded summer. Yeah, like if this I mean, was Con a Air came out movie, the same summer. <laughs> Jurassic Park Jurassic for real, Park. Men in Black the same year. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. That can't be right. Totally right. That is some blockbusters. <laughs> it seemed like it to me. Yeah. My God, yeah, I would thought that it would got the like if this came out in December mm-hmm. or like you know like it seems more of an Oscar season film. But wow, I yeah, I mean, just truly shocked that this this had this kind of uh, embraced by uh, the especially the American people. Because, you know, we were a hell of a lot more conservative back then as a whole yeah, than we are 20 years later. And I think that's what makes it a really good movie, in my opinion, is it set itself apart from the other films of the time and made you actually think about things yeah. versus just enjoying the ride. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, so I, I was thinking about, you know, these, this 18 years of static and this idea that that she... Okay, okay, fine. Let's assume she doesn't have an experience during this whole thing, right? And this this device does nothing. The device itself is a testament to some kind of intelligence out there, right? Sure. The fact that a signal could come back with plans for a thing that we can actually build and that does anything, does mm. something... Mm says that there is an intelligence behind the well, signal but itself. They're saying it's fake and that this machine is just a world is it's a Rube Goldberg device that's a waste of time and money and does nothing. Okay, which is why I wish she had put up more of a fight on the twenty six light year Vega sure. pinpointing thing. Sure. Ah. Uh. But you know, like we see today, there's like, you know, uh, when science fact goes against people, what people want to believe, it mostly gets steamrolled, or it's a much sure. slower yeah. process to influence people. And that's not just scientific fact; that's any fact. Mm-hmm. Like it's been proven, study after study, that facts in a sing in, in a singular instance does not change people's minds. Um, yeah, we are hardwired to resist new information and to embrace information that confirms our own bias. Um, but you have to be crushed under facts or it's in aggregate. <laughs> like, like yeah. it's not a, co- this conversation, like this movie didn't convert me from fundamentalist Christianity to atheism. Mm-hmm. It was one of hundreds of experiences, some big, some small Similar that eventually this, yeah. got it there. So it's the aggregate of facts or the long-term acceptance of facts over time, winning arguments, you know, one at a time retail slowly, you know, any kind of progress, social progress, scientific process is a slog. 
Mm-hmm. And it grinds people out because it's exhausting to, to argue <laughs> with your fellow monkeys about the reality, sure. the fabric of reality when they're playing with the stack deck. Um, yeah. But you got to do it or nothing gets done. That's why, like I said, that's why you need the extremist, the passionate people, the people All preaching right. through the choir. I have one more quick question for you. Yeah. The story can't end here, right? The, they have this device. They're going to send more people through, yeah? Well, you want to see Contact too? No. No, I don't want to see a sequel to it. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you want to prove this experience, if you want to get some kind of evidence collection going, send someone else through. Send no, a lot I feel more like people that's through. The thing, like, send hundreds of people in through. In real life, yes, you would send more people. In this <laughs> life, I think it's supposed to be up in the air about whether the man suppresses the information out of sure. fear or our open-natured experience explorer nature gets the better of us and also they're like we're gonna do this in small steps right we're gonna send you back with no evidence whatsoever is giving humans the means of traveling through wormholes really a small step is it really a small step i guess pretty big to me i mean it is kind of clever that they're making machine that they can only send one through and that it is like a completely like passive one-way thing i don't know I don't know. Um, on the other hand, waiting 26 years to communicate back and forth is fucking slow. And this is like, what's the worst that can happen in this circumstance? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that technology combined with the knowledge of extraterrestrial intelligence seems like a pretty big step to me. Yeah. I mean, granted, we're going to deny the extraterrestrial intelligence. That is a good point. You'd think that they it's could... a pretty big step. And also, you'd think maybe... Instead of just a here's Hitler and instructions to build this device, maybe it would be a lot more just general background information. Like, hey, hello, how are you doing? This is us. This is how we roll. This is how this <laughs> get is to scope. know you a little bit. This is right? the scope like... of our civilization. This is how long we've been. Like, you know, the things like I'm thinking about what we sent on Voyager. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was a lot of that's where some of this obviously comes from because, you know, Voyager had like a very simple symbology that taught like, you know, it's like here is the wavelength of a hydrogen atom and here's how you measure that. Mm-hmm. And then everything is r- done in relation to that. So you kind of form this mathematical language that you can then communicate. But then it told us, yeah. it told them, here's how you find our solar system, uh, triangulated by nine different quasars, which are these huge in, you know, intergalactic landmarks. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, here's our solar system. We are the third rock from the sun. This is the, sp- the spaceship. This is the. Ge- I mean, it told us tons of stuff about us. We've had a record player that had a whole bunch, like saying hello in a hundred different languages and a bunch of different sounds of the is earth. A, is and that a mistake we us. made? I mean, are these advanced aliens more knowledgeable in the ways of acclimating maybe, a culture to maybe like if these you, ideas? If you're of the school of thought that there are alien races waiting to destroy us because of paranoia or resource extraction, then yes. But if you are of my way of thinking that these are enlightened beings that have moved beyond that. And if anything, just intellectual exercises are, are, are what they strive for and, and truth, then no, it's, it's weird. But it's, it's like a prime directive sort of thing, right? Don't interfere with these primitive societies. Uh, but that's the thing that they they can't hide behind the fucking prime directive when they send us the, sure. The blueprints for the TARDIS. But, but what I'm saying is like, there may be a way for them to introduce this information so that we won't, fucking destroy ourselves in a religion versus science apocalypse sort of deal 
versus just dropping all of that like here's where we are here's how well, you sending us a picture us. of heil hitler was a bad way to get off in that discussion <laughs> if you're trying to do that man probably like if someone less level-headed had intercepted that signal yeah and been like well, fuck it's hitler like, let's get that was that was a cool moment in the film but it seemed unnecessary like why not just send the signal you would it would it would have stuck it's not like Jodie yeah. Foster's like didn't need wait that image. sounds like German that sounds like Hitler Swinger t- I mean she heard a repeating pattern that is a hallmark of any type of communication boom done you didn't need Hitler yeah at all. you didn't need the image at all frankly. yeah yeah and and let alone twisted up in fourth dimensional space yeah so only Bill Gates and his Skylab <laughs> can de- de- decode it uh-huh. there's a couple silly things in this film but that's kind of hard sci-fi you have to take some assumptions so they can, you know, talk about the things they really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And clearly, Sagan wanted to talk about us being alone in the universe and science versus religion and the the tension between those. And, and the search for truth. And and a, yeah, that those are the thing. things. And I felt like that, not coincidentally, are the places where the movie really holds up like a champ. Yes, I agree. Anything else? I think that's done. I, I uh, What was the guy who commissioned this? Henrik. Henrik, Henrik. W. Thanks to Henrik for uh, making me watch. I guess I only saw it once. I had a bad experience with it. I had a totally different experience. It's one of those things I think you can tell that I've like, it's really caused me to kind of think back about my own life and the strange journey it's been on. Yeah. And uh, it's had a lot of philosophical discussions with me and Jim here. Um, I hope it's what you were wanting. If you'd like to find out how you can commission your very own podcast, it's easy. Go to baldmove.com slash shop. Click on the big film reel, and uh, that's got the particulars. And you're just a you're just a hefty credit card purchase <laughs> away from making it happen. Uh, but we've got uh, we got a lot more coming up. I think we just got our schedule. We got like eight to ten locked in right now, and three or four more yeah. circumless like boxers waiting to land their punch. Yep. Um, so it might so, take a while to get your your new ones out there, but yeah, I'm hoping that we can step up production it. a bit uh, to clear the background because I start... we're we're clearing them faster than they're coming in right now, so that's good news. Yes, barely we need to go but... to speed of light so that we can get 26 uh-huh. done in the space of of one one podcast. But yep. Uh, so there, thank you again, Hendrik, and we will see you guys later.